Hey, if you're visiting us, welcome to Chroma. This is our unique expression of Jesus Christ's body across the planet Earth. We love worshipping Him. We love being in His presence. If you're not visiting us, welcome home. Lovely to see you. And we have just been going through the Sermon on the Mount and we are at our final teaching on Sermon on the Mount. So I've been given the task of trying to summarise the whole thing. So bear with me as I try and summarise three chapters of pure gold, genius, divine manifest presence on earth into like a 20-minute talk. And we will go through some of the things um, that are poignant, some of the things that are salient in terms of what Jesus says, how he says them, the order he says them in. And we will look at what he's trying to achieve from this Sermon on the Mount and we'll summarise. But first of all, we're going to read from Scripture and we're going to read Matthew 7, 24 to 29. So if you have your Bibles, would you turn there? If you've got your phone, flick there. And we're going to stand together as we honour the Word of the Lord. Would you stand with me? And we are going to say this. Um, I'm going to say this and you guys are going to listen. We're not going to say it all together. Don't worry. We're going to read Matthew 7, 24 to 29. Therefore, any, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came, the streams rose and the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall because it had at its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain came down, the streams rose and the winds blew and beat against that house and it fell with a great crash. When Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed at his teaching. You will have astonished potentially in your Bibles because he taught as one who had authority and not as their teachers of the law. This is the word of the Lord. Praise be to God. You can grab a seat. All right, so we've reached the end of Matthew 7. You've had two chap- three chapters, Matthew 5, 6 and 7, which are this epic disposition of Jesus Christ as He walks people through a journey of His mind, walks people through a journey of the teachings that are real and the teachings that He has come to turn the world upside down with. This is the beginning of um, his public ministry and teaching. And I want to talk to you a little bit about what it looks like for us to come into alignment with what he's saying here. Is that all right? But first I'm going to pray. Jesus, help us. Spirit of revelation, you are welcome in this place. Any word that comes out of my mouth that is from you, God, I pray would be sown deep into hearts and anything that is not from you would whistle away and that you would get your full reward and all the glory. And everybody said, amen. So we, we find ourselves in this really interesting situation with Jesus because he is not someone who is, at least in this moment, interested in behaviour management. What he's interested in is your internal world and the changing the way you think. So let me just give you just a quick example to start. I was a social worker for 10 years. I spent a lot of time working with young offenders. It is a fun job, I'm telling you. The breakthroughs you see are amazing, but sometimes some of the stuff you see is crazy. But what we do with our most prolific or some of our hardest young offenders is that instead of them go to prison, what we do is we go to court, or we used to, I used to go to court, and I used to ask for a tag. You guys know what a tag is? One of those ankle bracelets. So what happened is, is that instead of them going out in the depth of night with their knife or like to get into trouble, whatever it is, 
we actually put a behaviour management tool on them so they couldn't hurt themselves or someone else and they had to stay in their house from 7pm till 7am all night long. If they breached that tag, then the prison was the result or a further punishment. But how many of you guys know, if with young people who offend, we only ever manage their behaviour, we've got a problem. Because as soon as that management of behaviour, the tool that we use to manage their behaviour is relinquished, they go back to exactly the same thing. I was measured on reoffending rates. Do you know that tags have very um, poor uh, implications for reoffending rates? In other words, you can put someone on a tag, as soon as they come off the tag, they normally reoffend. Why? Because we hadn't done the work of rehabilitating their mind, we just put an external control on them in order that they would do what we want. Now, how many of you guys know that's important? But if we leave it there, we minimise someone's journey into a change of thought process and leave them with a behaviour management tool. And as soon as that tool leaves, they go back to where they were. I want to suggest something to you. Jesus does not want to put you in a tag. He wants to change the way you think. He does not want to give you a set of behaviour management tools. He wants to change the way you think to be like him. And as we look through these, uh, the, 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 the three chapters, and as we go through what Jesus is saying, my suggestion is this. You can summarise the Sermon on the Mount in three parts. Matthew 5 is all about thinking like Jesus. Matthew 6 into Matthew 7 verse 12 is all about what practices you will then put into play in your life because you think like Him. And then Matthew 7, 12 to Matthew 7, 29 is um, the demand or the, 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 the command from Jesus that you choose to continually walk in the practices and the thinking that He's just taught you, okay? So let, let's, let's, let's just go through this together. Matthew 5 begins with a list of Beatitudes. Um, you can find those um, in Matthew 5, believe it or not. And what's, what's important is, is that we then see Jesus move in His divine teaching through into what does it look like to have a change of thought. So instead of the Jewish law that says, do not murder, He is saying, is actually the anger that resides within you that causes you to stumble and sin. And you must deal with the anger, not just the act of murder. You guys all right? So Jesus isn't trying to say, stop murdering. He's trying to say, stop the anger that leads to it. In the same way he says about adultery, he says that you've heard it taught that you should not commit adultery. But I say to you, that a man who even thinks about someone else's wife lustfully has already committed the sin of adultery. What's he saying? That is no longer the activity or the action that defines your moral purpose or your moral destiny. It's the heart and the motivation by which you commit an action. You guys all right? You've got to understand the context here is that these people that he's speaking to, including the Pharisees who had been very, very annoyed at him, have been taught that you must follow the rules and then you will please God. Jesus flips this around and changes the world as a result. And he says this, follow the internal call of who you are, change the way that you think and then change the way that you behave because your behaviour will come out of how you think, not just out of an external motivator. So listen, when we think about what it looks like 
to think like Jesus, we are not simply saying that we do the right thing. Why? Because if you end up worshipping the rules and not the rule giver, you miss the point of your life. If you end up holding on a pedestal, a set of instructions and regulations that, think, that you think will help you lead a good life, they're not bad, they're just not fulfilled. Because it's only in the internal reality of your thinking like Jesus that you can actually fulfill the things of the regulations. So listen, this is why Jesus said, I did not come to abolish the law, but to fulfill it. So Jesus is not saying, get rid of the rules, get rid of the regulations. He's saying this, first of all, change internally the way that you think, because then it will be an overflow for you to follow the regulations. The burden that was put on the Jewish people and the community by the rabbis and by the teachers of the law was so strenuous that they had to sacrifice every 10 minutes. They had to repent, they had to do all of these things. And it was absolutely impossible. Did you know? I'm gonna get really excited. Did you know the law was never meant to be fulfilled by people? It was only meant to be fulfilled by Jesus. So the law that Moses gave was always meant to be a turning point to turn people's hearts towards the person, the Messiah who was coming, who could fulfil it for them. And then they could be empowered to walk in the supernatural power that he would give them. So if you find yourself in your life trying to just follow rules, you miss the point. What you're trying to do is you're trying to be a person following a set of regulations that was never designed for you to focus on. The focus should always be the King of Kings. Now listen, one of the reasons why we worship here for such a long time, and it's actually compared to heaven, a minimum amount, right? And the reason why we ask people to come forward, the reason why we ask people to come forward for healing or whatever it is, is because we believe foundationally that an encounter with the divine will change you. So when we ask people to come forward and we ask people to come forward in worship and we worship and we give him all the glory, it is because you cannot encounter the divine without being changed. And not only that, if you are overcome by light, the darkness flees from your life. So when Jesus is talking about how do we think like him or rather um, building our lives on the rock of his teaching was that what will propel us into our destiny. He's saying, come and listen to me and then put it into practice. So here's the deal. Are we thinking like Jesus? And let me tell you how you can know. These are the fruits of the Spirit. You ready? Galatians 5, 22 to 23. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. If you want to know that you are living life thinking like Jesus, these will be prevalent and present in your life. These fruits of the Spirit. Why? Because Jesus is laying a foundation at the beginning of his ministry where he is building up the people listening to him, especially the 12 disciples, to the point where he says, it is good for you that I go away because there is one coming who is exactly the same as, as me that will come on you and in you, being the Holy Spirit. So now, in the process of maturing his disciples, he is actually saying, don't just follow me with behaviour regulations. Now look inward in order that you could be 
um, governed by the Holy Spirit living in you and then that will lead to your inward transformation, therefore your behaviour transformation. Why is it good that he goes away? Because the disciples have to grow up. They have to learn what it is to look internally and understand the Spirit is guiding them and moving them into the good practices and behaviour of being a follower of Christ, a little Christ, a Christian. So let me give you an example. My daughter, Savannah, she's five. I love her a lot. She just started school and had this non-uniform day. If you're a student, you've heard this, so just bear with me. And she came to me and she said, Daddy, I want to wear my dress, my Aurora dress, my lovely pink fluffy thing, you know, that goes, and she's got a cape and she's got all this stuff, you know, she loves it, crown, everything. I was like, babe, fine, no problem. Non-uniform day, you can wear what you want. And she was like, Dad, I really want to wear my bracelet and I want to wear my necklace. And um, I said, hey, babe, we can't do that. The school doesn't want that because it's a health and safety issue. And she was like, what's a health and safety issue? I was like, let me rephrase. It's going to be um, negative for the school. It won't be fun for the school if you take those in because actually it's a rule they put in place to keep everyone safe. And she was like, Dad, I'm not going to look pretty anymore. I'm not going to look beautiful if I don't wear my jewellery. I'm not going to look like a princess if I don't get that. And so I said to her, I was like, hey, babe, nothing can make you look more beautiful than you already are because of who you are inside of you, right? And so when, we talk, when I was talking to her, the teaching point here was the internal nature of how God created her to be is what causes her to be beautiful. The external motivating aspect, the external thing that you can put on or do or wear only aids what is already inside you. You guys all right? So what I'm doing with my daughter in that moment is that I'm trying to train and teach her that an external thing can never define her, but an internal reality does. Now listen, she can still wear the jewellery. She can still wear the Aurora dress, but it doesn't define her. It only aids her beauty. And when we think about what Jesus is doing in this moment, he's trying to train and teach the children of Israel that just by wearing certain things, washing their hands at certain times, whatever it might be, that is not what makes them beautiful, holy, and set apart. What makes them that way is that they are inheritors of the kingdom, the promise of Abraham, and that actually the internal reality of who they're called to be is what makes them beautiful and set apart, not just what they wear, not just what they do, not just what they say. And so for Savannah, I mean, who knows if it went in, right? Like, we'll see when, he, when she hits puberty. <laughs> but like, we'll, we'll, when we're talking to our kids or we're, we're trying to train people, we're not just telling them this thing is good and this thing is bad. We do some of that. We're also telling them, look inside of yourself and your governance and how is it that you believe you're created? How is it that you think like Jesus? Are you full of joy and peace and love and self-control and all the runs that I can't remember? What, what, what does that look like for you? Because if you think like Jesus, the overflow is correct behaviour. And that's where in Matthew 6, which is the second stage of this sermon, we give generously to the poor. We find ourselves fasting to be closer to him. We find ourselves in prayer. And we also find ourselves not anxious. We also find ourselves not governed by depression. Because not only is the behaviour of our outward appearance in terms of what we do 
important as a result of uh, the change in thinking is also how our mind works and our emotions and our will and our soul realm that also comes into alignment. So now instead of making a decision on the basis of anxiety, we get to make the decision on the basis that we are secure and held in his hand because we are thinking like him. You guys okay? Part one, are you thinking like Jesus? That's what he's he's asking the people. Are you thinking in this way? Because if you're not, you're worshipping rules and not the Lord. The second stage is there is a natural overflow into practice and behaviour from thinking like Jesus. But it comes in that order. Jesus talks about in Matthew 6, look at the birds of the air and the flowers in the fields. They don't, they don't worry about provision. The Lord provides for them, so why would he not provide for you? And he also talks about the love of money in Matthew 6, which is actually, do you trust that the Lord will provide for you in your financial situation, your financial circumstances, or are you controlled by the fear of money or the fear of lack of finance? Because if you think like Jesus, you won't fear lack. If you think like Jesus, you're not anxious. Now, there's a journey in that stage, right? There's a journey to get there. But if we think like him, we're governed by the way that he thinks, he thinks, not by the way that we think. And then the third stage is this, thinking like Jesus, thinking rightly, behaving and practicing like Jesus, practicing rightly. And then we have Matthew 7, and we land here, which is that we get to choose a continuous journey with Jesus. So what's really interesting is, is that this is a real, um, real flow here. Jesus, so it's designed. Jesus designs it in this way. He plans it, prepares it, and says it in the way that he wants Think like Jesus means that you behave like Jesus. And not only that, it also means that your emotions come into alignment and your um, mental health, your emotional health comes into alignment with who Jesus is and how he thinks, which means this, you're able to think clearly. You are able to be transformed in how you approach life and approach situations, including things like false teachers. So when we move into Matthew 7, Jesus is saying, think like me, practice like me. And then he actually says that if you do those things, you will have the clarity of thought to know right and wrong. You'll have the clarity of thought to know what is true and what is not true. You'll have the clarity of thought, no confusion or fogginess about what is just cultural and what is biblical. What is it that we're doing that is just because everyone else does it around us? And what is it that we're doing because the Bible teaches it? Do you understand what I'm saying? So we have, we think like Jesus. An overflow is that we behave and we practice like Jesus. And an overflow is that we have clarity of thought to choose the things that he would choose. And the Sermon on the Mount is designed to bring us on a journey from thinking differently, an overflow into behaving and practicing differently. And then finally, into the greatest overflow, which is that we choose him. We choose his teachings. And he says, That is what is called building your house upon the rock. You know, it's really hard to bang a hole in a rock and put a foundation stone in there. It's way easier to put it in sand. But you guys know that the only thing standing at the end of a battered storm is the one with the rock, with the foundations in the rock, not the foundations of the sand. Friends, if you have built your life and it's been easy, I I wanna suggest to you Come back to this teaching and find out what happened because you got a graft to build your house on the rock. Jesus also calls it a narrow way. And one of the things I suggest is that 
if we are able to think, behave and practice and then choose what Jesus chose, we will build or begin to build the foundations of our life on the rock that means that when the storms of life do come, and friends, it's a promise that they will. <laughs> I, I mean, it's not easy reading the Bible, honestly. Like, do you know you're promised suffering? <laughs> but the purpose of suffering is not so that you feel pain, it's so that you process through pain and actually learn how to build your house solidly so it doesn't fall down. So instead of avoiding pain and building your house on the sand, avoiding suffering, building your house on the sand, you actually confront suffering head on and say, I'm not letting this word or this situation define me. I'm gonna build my house on the rock, believe what he says is true. And then the storm and the rain come and they can't shake the building down. If I was gonna say anything to you that's the controversial moment in this is that avoidance of pain is building house on the sand. All right. Hmm. You know that you think like Jesus when you have the fruits of the Spirit at play in your life, when you have, when you have the joy, when you have peace, when you have patience, you have kindness, you have gentleness, you have self-control. Out, out of thinking like Jesus, your activity, your behavior will look generous. You can't help it. It's an overflow. It will look like wanting to be close to him in prayer or fasting. It will look like bringing your emotions into alignment with the reality of heaven and not being governed by anxiety or depression. And not only that, it will bring you the clarity of thought to understand what is right and what is wrong. All of it comes because you have Holy Spirit resident, if you're a Christian, inside of you to look inward, not to navel gaze, not to become self-obsessed, which is the postmodern counterfeit of this, but to look inside yourself to see what the Lord is doing to understand your own beauty, to understand your own purpose, not because it's about you, but because you know that you get to walk a destiny governed by his teachings and not your own because the Lord is resident inside you. Did you know navel gazing is looking at yourself and looking at how you feel? Looking at Holy Spirit is looking for the divine spark that he puts inside of you in order that you could be motivated into your destiny. If you find yourself looking inward and being drawn into an emotional response that is negative, you're probably looking at yourself. But if you are gonna be able to look inward and see what the Spirit is doing, ask Him to govern, help you read the Bible, help you approach situations with the Spirit, you will walk in destiny days because you've just put your house on the rock and it will not fall down. Let me just say this one thing because my dad's here. Thinking like Jesus can go a hundred different ways. We're not looking for the outworking of the thought, we're looking for the intention of the thought. Let me explain what I mean. Every single person in here has a different way of thinking. And we often want to label people's way of thinking, right or wrong, on the basis of whether we agree with it or not. That isn't what Jesus does. And it's not what we should do either. My dad <laughs> is an eco-warrior. He turns every single switch off in the house. They're staying with us at the moment. Hi, Dad. They're staying with us at the moment. And I know that when I get downstairs at 6 a.m., I put my toaster down, it isn't going to go down because the switch is off at the wall, mate. I know that, for real. But I forget every time. And I'm pushing the toaster down. I'm like, why is it not working? And I'm like, my dad's staying with me. The switch is off. Straighteners, no, I don't know, whatever else it was. How many of you guys know 
but because I think differently to my dad and he thinks differently to me does not mean that he's right and I'm wrong or I'm right and he's wrong. It's the intention and the motivation that you look for. So when you're in this situation with your brothers and your sisters and you're trying to figure out, hey, what does it look like to think like Jesus? It doesn't look like thinking the same thing. It looks like understanding the intention is to honour him. So my judgment on my dad that says, you're just trying to wind me up because you turn the switches off is a fallacy. It's false. It's not real. His intention is to save the planet. My intention is to make myself a bit of toast. <laughs> I was painting myself in a really bad light, I realised. But do you understand what I'm saying? Thinking like Jesus, he always looks for the heart and the motivation behind an activity or an action, always. Always. And even if the person acting in a certain way winds you up because you can't make your toast, do not bring judgment on them about their action because their intention is, is, is heartfelt and it's loving towards the Lord. So when we think about what it looks like to think like Jesus, we are not saying you've got to think the same thing as everybody else. What we are saying is, is your intention to bring him honour? Is your intention to base your life on his teaching and on his truth? And if it is, then we will all walk this journey of glory and grace together in a powerful and unified way. The question for us is, are we worshipping rules or are we worshipping Jesus and following rules as an overflow of that? And are we able to have clarity of mind to walk into good choices for our lives where we, did, where we determine the difference between right and wrong, good and bad, on the basis of Holy Spirit walking a journey through us. Jesus did not come to put a tag on you. He came to change your life and he came to change your mind. I'm done, whatever we stand.